Hello and welcome back to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. We are your loving, generous, spooky hosts, <laughs> Mr. Craigers and Miss Melmoy. Hi, Miss Melmoy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and tonight, today, to morning, Hello. whenever you're listening, to whenever this goes up, who the hell knows? The internet. The internet. The interwebs. <clears throat> we are talking to you in honor of uh, Pride Month here in June. We are talking to you tonight about um, some, not all, <laughs> homoerotic horror movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, and now you're saying to yourself, homoerotic horror movies, what's that? And I say to you, you're about to find out. You're about to find out. Slash, it's a lot of the movies you didn't realize uh-huh. and have probably seen. Have a, That have a lot of movies that have homosexual undertones or subtext or, or poorly hidden subtext, which then becomes <laughs> Text. Overt text. I don't know what. Yeah. I should know what the technical. T- it's just text at that point, I actually. Think. Honestly, it's just text. It's just straight up, like, you know, black and white. No pictures. Just, just text. Just text. Um, and, you know, it's 2017. If you're. If you want to go out and look for it, you can find a shit ton of horror movies that are overtly featuring LGBTQ characters. There's a lot out there. Most of them are not very good. No. We're going to be talking to you tonight about a lot of the films that, well, in which, in most cases, none of these characters are actually open or actually out. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any. But the films feed as being queer. Yeah, I think actually going through, yeah, absolutely none of them are overtly out characters. It's just literary um readings of them have read them as like the consensus is is that these characters or these plot lines are are queer in some way absolutely which is as good as you're gonna get in this particular genre <laughs> yeah at least for something that's 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 mainstream unless it's the bliska axe murder film <laughs> unless it's that yeah oh uh, beyond the <laughs> hint hint we've got a we've got a new booze and booze coming your way oh, soon yeah we have yeah. a candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Netflix. Which we accidentally uh, came up with independently of each other, which is... Oh, enjoying. I can't wait to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> After a few. Um, That's right. But before we get into that, do you have any horror headlines? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Horror headlines. Um, let me do like two real quick. Go for it. Uh, one, I'll just say, I'm just, I'm actually, this isn't like a headline, but I'm going to sneak it into horror headlines, is that I saw It Comes at Night, which is currently playing in theaters. I, I nod as if I didn't know that. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you did nod. You were like, yes, yes, tell me more. Um, and um, it was good. I really liked it. I think on our last episode, we, was it the last episode? We, we were talking about out, like critics. Yeah. Versus, you know, like general critics versus horror critics and stuff. Yeah. Or whatever. It's getting a lot of mixed reviews from from critics and stuff or whatever, but um, personally, I've heard pretty pretty solid things. Yeah, I liked it. It's has great atmosphere. It's very very creepy. There's a big sense of dread. Um, it's a 
slow burn, sort of beautifully filmed kind. Of, and I love those kinds of horror movies. It's not. It's nothing like the way they marketed it. It's definitely a victim of. Mm. of that, that can go one of two ways too. Yeah. So I think a lot of the more negative reviews are people who went in expecting something else and they didn't get that. So they might be a little upset. Mm. So I would just, if you're planning on seeing it, I would say just to be um, cautious of that. But I recommend it. I recommend. Um, 10 out of 10. Well, not, not quite box. 10 out of 10, but would recommend. Not quite a 10 out of 10, <laughs> but recommend. Exactly. Thank you, Michelle. You're all welcome. Yeah. Um, and then the other, my actual piece of like news in terms of horror headlines, um, the show Channel Zero on Sci-Fi, which Ooh. I think I mentioned a couple episodes back, because I watched the first season and, and I really on on demand and I really really enjoyed it. It's a um, it's an anthology horror series where each season adapts a um, creepy pasta. Oh, you'd mentioned this before, I think. Yeah, and um, the first season did the Candle Cove creepy pasta. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a that's like a yeah. throwback, like veteran creepy pasta. Very much so. One of the first, if not probably not the. I don't know if it was the first, but an early creepy pasta for sure. And they did a really good job. I liked it. They're renewed for a second season, which I believe is filming right now, and they're going to release it on Halloween about the um, the No End House. Okay. Um, I've heard of the No End House creepypasta. I've never actually read it. But they recently, it was either this morning or yesterday, I can't, I think it was yesterday, they announced that the third season is going to cover um, the I Found a Hidden Door in My Cellar creepypasta, and they're ca- they're going to call the season The Staircase. Okay. So. Interesting. I'm going to catch up on that stuff. It's pretty good. Um, I suppose I have... I was thinking I had two. I think I have just the one uh, then, I guess, kind of dovetailing, if you will, um, yeah. off of yours. For those of you who are fans of the incredibly ridiculous and downright a little bit douchey uh, TV series, Ghost Adventures, they returned last night for me. Whenever this goes up, they returned probably a couple days ago. Um, the I was 17th... sure where you were going at first, yeah, you're like, what even though the fact that we about? just talked we about just it. We just talked about it. Um, they came off of their little mid-season hiatus um, on June seventeenth. With honestly, like the only, and I'm guaranteed, you know, I'm pretty sure ninety percent of this was faked because, like, you know, it's reality television. But it made for a very entertaining episode that was very freaky, um, where they investigated the Skinwalker Canyon um, in, uh, or the Ojo Amarillo is its real name, but it's colloquially colloquially known as Skinwalker Canyon in the Navajo Nation um, around the Four Corners region. And uh, it was legitimately, like, horrifying. <laughs> Whether it was, you know, real or not real, um, it was creepy because I will, I am willing to a certain extent fuck with ghosts, but I will not go near that place that the natives say they won't go near. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. That's where you have to draw the line. Yeah. Um, so check that out. Um it was the first time I've watched a new episode of Ghost Adventures live in I don't know how long. Because um, usually that show is my, like, white noise during the day. Um, because it's just a fun thing to have in the background. And they're like, dude, something just touched my arm. Um, constantly. Um, but that was a good I one. Um, and I, I spent quite a bit of my um, formative years in that area as well. In uh, southwestern United States and Arizona. That's so. right. 
it was yeah. nice seeing some some Native American legends played to life. Um, they actually did investigate think, Goldfield at one point, but I find Native American mythology and and legends so fascinating. Um, so and and I think you're right. Like that's like. You know, if Flatter Chatter ever goes ghost hunting, I think we're going to draw the line at anything that um, connects to Native mythology oh, yeah, or Native no, folklore. Um, yeah, because you know uh, hey, than I, do. I, I grew up seeing poltergeist. Yeah. I know what you don't do. Um, which I texted last night. I was like, so when are we starting our, our, our ghost hunting group? That's right. <laughs> so one time when we're drunk, we might just go out with our iPhones. <laughs> There we go. It'll be a, that'll be quite the special. That'll be quite the the special. Um, a boots and boots on the go. On the go with some GoPros or something. Oh my god. Um, they're cheap now. Now that they're like not the new hot thing. So. Yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah. So uh, th- that you know that is a thing, and you know if nothing else, just go watch um, Grave Encounters again because it makes fun of ghost adventures a lot. Yeah. Really the, what's his name? Lance Preston. <sighs> the Zach Bagans of the movie. But, um, yeah, that's my thing. That'll be back. That's uh, playing, I think, throughout the rest of the summer is um, the rest of season 14 of Ghost Adventures. Wow. Yeah, they've been doing this for quite a while. I remember when there was, like, five what's left seasons. to go to? I know. I, I, I asked, I thought about this earlier today. I was like, they're going to run out of, like, haunted places. They actually have gone to several locations more than once and, like, done, like, a redo. Like, they yeah. went to Bobby Mackey's a couple times. They went to um, the Goldfield Hotel. Um, they did the Riviera in Mexico a couple times. So they've done, like, some things more than once. They're willing to do that. But, um, yeah, I'm like, what's left? They've done it all. Yeah. They've done Dracula's Castle, they've done Alcatraz, they've done the Bell Witch Cave, like, they've done Eastern State Penitentiary, like, they've done this, we watched the episode where they went to the Stanley and we're talking of the the many bodies that we could not find any documentation for. No, no historical evidence whatsoever. Um, So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how long. I'm waiting to find out that the show has been cancelled, but it has such a cult following, so... Um, I mean, if people are watching, it will probably go on forever. Um, much like us, much like us, except we don't have, you know, money and travel channel, but whatever. No, no, we do not. Um, yeah, they do like two seasons a year. They're like survivors. Yeah, yeah, they do two seasons a year. So, um, they've been around for about seven years now. So how long are the seasons? Um, it varies. They used to have really long seasons and they've kind of gotten shorter. Um, they used to have it's a trend like trend in TV full, in general. Yeah, they used to have like full like twenty two episodes, and now they've got more around like twelve episode seasons. Mm. Um, well, so. and then it's cheaper. So what does the network care? Yeah, know? and they're going around with their own equipment and like five guys. So it's pretty. Um, and it's interesting because if you look at the trends, like they used to have like <clears throat> like over a million viewers, and now they've kind of like dropped down to like point six or so. But like. They've remained steady, like, since then. Like, they've they've consistently gotten, like, between now they're, point six yeah. and point eight viewers, like, since, like, for three years now. So, it's like, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so if I mean, you they've want, got that, that steady plateau now. Yeah. No, they'll be around for a while. And I don't think anything can stop Zach Bagans from doing what Zach Bagans wants to do. Um, so, yeah. Check it out if you want. Um, it's great just white noise in your life it's great to watch and make fun of um 
Yeah. Take a shot every time Zach reminds you that he has to wear a respirator in the tunnels or underground places because after years of ghost hunting, his lungs have become fragile. But nobody else in the group wears one, <laughs> which makes it even better. That for what you will. So, yeah. Anyway, I think that's all we got for horror headlines right now. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, to- I just have to say... Mm-hmm. I want to apologize to all of our listeners. I was listening to our last episode back, our summer yes. um, pack or whatever, and I must have said the phrase and stuff or whatever <laughs> like 17 times. And it was so fucking annoying to hear myself say it every <laughs> time I said it. And I was just like, having a conversation with myself as I was listening, I was like, what's wrong with you? Stop saying that. Control yourself. I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice I was doing it. And then I brought it up to Mr. Eric and he's like, yeah, you say that all the time. So it's in character. You're on theme. So it's in character. I'm on theme. I'm being me. But I was just like, oh my God, these poor listeners. I'm so sorry. And stuff or whatever. And stuff or whatever. And then he was telling me, Mr. Eric was telling me, he's like, well, you're... Your mom always says, like, whatever. And your dad always says, and stuff. <laughs> like, so <laughs> I like, clash them together. So I combine them, you know, as the product of both That's my parents. That's adorable. Your mom <laughs> does say whatever a lot. I can attest to that. I haven't heard yeah. your dad speak enough to, to get a gauge on that. Uh, so I, I guess I am truly their son. And I have, There's I no have, question. I have brought them to be in... in uh, wow. That is... That is incredible. So I just wanted to say that before we got into the episode proper here. (laughs) Great. Great. So, homoerotic horror, huh? Yes. There's one I know that we both have on our list. Oh, yeah. Do do you want to go for it? Do you want to start? We could just start with that because that was my first introduction to, like, the first overtly homoerotic, like, horror film out there. Yeah, I have a feeling. I know. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. So, one summer... When I was still living, living, living in Oakland, Pittsburgh, yes. and Craig was uh, in grad school, um, he he was like, "Oh, I'll come over and we'll drink things and eat things and we'll watch movies." And I was like, "Great!" And we did. And he brought over. That was now, a great day. Preface to this: I had only ever seen the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and then everything after the third and after. <laughs> yeah, because that's right. Because isn't Dream Warriors your favorite? Well, it wasn't even that it was my favorite. It was the first horror film that I had ever seen. That's right. That's right. Um, And then I went back and watched the others. (laughs) For some reason, I'd seen like pieces of the second one, but I'd never sat down and seen the whole thing. And Craig had brought it and he was like, you haven't seen it. He's like, also, it's like the gayest horror movie like in history. And I was like, what? He was like, it's so homoerotic. We need to watch it. So we did. And it is. (laughs) It is. Um. So yes, let us let us just dive right in with that one. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. Freddy's Revenge, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, one year after the release of the original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then Robert Englund was the talk of the town. Well, that Robert Englund was the talk of the town. Um, and um, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, no, you're you're better versed in it than I am. Oh, sorry. So. Um, basically, the premise in our sequel. Uh, Freddy Krueger is back, and he spends the entire movie trying to get into a young man's body. 
You know, who hasn't been there? Uh, who hasn't been there? I haven't been there. Uh, that young man is um, our lead character, Jesse. Jesse. was played by Mark Patton, who, who is now an out, mm-hmm. um, openly gay actor. Not that this has any bearing on, you know, his work as an actor, but he's yeah. outright said in interviews that this did. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah. And um, this is, yeah, this is the only Friday the 13th film. Um, you know, with the original seven plus the crossover with Jason plus the remake where there, we don't have a final girl. We have a final boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesse has just moved with his family into, um, a house on Elm street. We find out later that this house used to belong to the Thompson family, Nancy Thompson, um, the, uh, uh, original protagonist from the first movie. And he starts having these intense dreams where he's always waking up shirtless and sweaty and not wearing pants. I've had that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and then he, and then, you know, basically throughout the whole movie, he's either at gym basically mm. where he's getting his pants pulled down. Yeah. Or he's, um, in the locker room where he's wearing Just a towel. A shower. And everybody else is wearing a towel. That's right. And there's steamy showers going on. And, and, um, or he's getting tormented by his really mean coach and stuff or whatever. Which? Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm just uh-huh. laughing at how. Because there's this whole sequence where the coach either takes yeah. him to or finds him at a gay bar. I can't remember which it is. He finds him there. Yeah, and they come into contact. Like, Jesse has, like, stumbled in his, like, need to not sleep. Has stumbled into a gay bar without realizing it. Because, you know, there's not neon flashing fucking lights outside those things. Right, Um, right. You know, and he's doing his thing, whatever. And And it's like... Oh, sorry. No, go No, I was just going to say, and it's like a leather bar, specifically. Yeah, it's like a... Which was, like, really, like... That's very 80s gay. It's very 80s gay. Like, that was, like, when people thought of the gay subculture, it was very heavily, like, leather influenced. Like, we talked about cruising on the one episode where we brought up um, the serial killer from Exorcist. Yes. That was, like, very much the general cultural consensus of what gay subculture was. To, I I mean, I suppose we should have, like, done, like, you all know what Pride is, right? So, like, giant, you know, like, the quick thing on Pride, though, is that the first the very first one was a riot of um, mainly transgender men, actually, um, basically, Mm -hmm. and transgender women as well at the Stonewall Inn where police had decided to raid the place um, as a form of, like, legalized, you know, homophobia and that sort of thing. Um, And, you know, it happened, and then one year later they had the first Pride to commemorate the riots, and since then we celebrate Pride in June because it is the commemoration of the Stonewall riots in the 60s, which started the gay rights movement. So to have, like, for me, like, having, like, the total, like, 80s, like, leather bar, like, gay, like, 80s gay scene, basically, um, is just very evocative of that kind of thing because it's very much, like taking like a total gay subculture and then bringing it to the forefront of this film for at least a single scene um, on top of like all that subtext and that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. So I do appreciate that much um, in that sequence. Like I like that it was like totally like they didn't just say like, Oh, like he casually went to a bar and was hit on by a man. Like, no, he like, he goes to a very specific, he went to a very specific kind of gay bar. It wasn't an accident in terms of writing. 
Right. And, and, and he goes there, it's after one of his nightmares and he's, he's got this like short sleeve button down shirt and it's open and he's, he's still so <laughs> sweaty and stuff or whatever. And then like the leather clad gym coach catches him there. And, um, and for some reason, like he takes him, he takes Jesse back to the school and makes this him This is back when laps. you could do this. Like you could well, go yeah. into schools at midnight. <laughs> And it was like always my thing. I'm like, what is he punishing him for? It's like it's outside of school hours. You yeah, don't have no, any it's, authority it's total, here. Total like BDSM, like yeah. But it's kind of like yeah. It's like this weird thing. Like he's like, it's a power trip. He's like running him into silence, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he makes Jesse shower, and he's watching him shower. And there's definitely like a vibe there that Jesse's in danger of being sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And um. But don't worry, because then the coach, he gets his comeuppance. Thanks, when, Freddie. You're here to protect. Freddie, Ironically, he's here to protect from sexual predators. Manifest some way or whatever. Ironically, right? And the coach is, is basically, he is attacked by balls. Yeah. Yep. Soccer balls, footballs, basketballs. He is attacked by balls. Black, <laughs> white, all different we, kinds. As, as <laughs> we've all been there. We've all been there. You know. Go spring break. Craig more than others. Yeah. <laughs> and these, these balls, the balls literally shower him and <laughs> just bounce around the locker room. And um, it's just like, it's terrifying, but it's fascinating. It's such a, the entire sequence is just so like, you're not even scared at that point. You're like, oh, Freddy's here and it's horrifying. But you've also like, you know, you're stroking your chin like, huh. Huh. Yeah, and I mean, like, what a you, way like, to go! We are not exaggerating. There is just a very long sequence where he is literally is slapped not, in the face by balls. Is there not before that though in the shower sequence? I think there's maybe I'm imagining this from early in the film, but I feel like there's basically this insinuation of like a towel slapping scene as well at some point. Yes, it, yeah, you're shower. right. It's earlier in the day where they have that gym class. Yeah, somebody slaps him in the shower with a towel. Yeah, and it's like he's pressed against the wall, and there's like a whole shower slapping scene as well. Right. Well, yeah, and then that, and then, um, and the punishment scene, the scene at night in the locker room, like after the coach is like hit with all these balls, he gets tied up with jump rope, dragged mm-hmm. into the shower, stripped naked, and whipped. To yes. Death, yes. That happens as basically. well. Yeah. Um, and Jesse at this point has like left or whatever and stuff or whatever and <laughs> I feel like I'm leaving in the morning everyone's talking about the murder of the coach and he's disturbed by this but he's not as disturbed as when like I don't know three or four scenes later um his friend Lisa from school tries to seduce him mm. this pool party she's hosting and um, I think it's actually his isn't it his girlfriend like isn't oh, aren't yeah, they like a ste- they're established that they're right. dating you're right. Which makes this even more, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Lisa's basically like come on to him in the pool house. Her come on, not the not the revelation like that he's like can kill people in his dreams. Yeah. Basically that Jesse's been figuring out. Th- th- like, no, her coming on to him is what totally freaks him the hell out. She's like naked on top of him. Like it's like yeah, totally he's like, like no, no, she's no, no, ready no. to go. Yeah. So, you know, as any classic teenage boys want to do. Jesse then goes to his male friend's bedroom in the middle of the yeah, night. He sneaks into his bedroom through the window, I think. Right. Where his male friend is sleeping in just, you know, some pretty short black boxer briefs. And, he, you know, Jesse's like, someone's trying to get inside my body. 
and 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 like he's like, you need can you watch me sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you guys need an excuse to um to in you know begin a a a romantic venture, that's the one to do. You know, you just sneak into somebody's house, you tell them that someone's trying to get inside your body, and you ask them to watch you sleep. And you watch him sleep, and so he does sleep. He sleeps in his friend's bed. And his friend is watching him, but then he falls asleep. So then Jesse transforms Me. into Freddy and goes back to the party and tries to kill th- this female. And right before he he kills this girl, he remembers, as we are all want to do, that deaths in horror movies are always supposed to be metaphors for sexual violence. Mm. So he turns away from this girl in disgust and starts killing off only male partygoers. Yeah. And then at this point, like the movie gets, it, it's more of like a natural like horror progression. It's more progression. nightmare on the street traditional. Yeah, Lisa sort of, sort of, but not fully takes over the role of the final girl, and she convinces Jesse to overpower Freddy, and um, Freddy just basically realizes that Jesse is not into him, and so he, <laughs> he, he his power in that way. Lisa kisses Freddy, which disgusts him to the point where his skin just falls off. And Jesse is basically like freed again the whole time, um, and so so that's the movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, God, take it for what you will. It's I mean, well, what is I mean? It's like the perfect like. Oh no, it is totally. I mean, the homoerotic storm, you know. Yeah, no, and there's like obviously other homoerotic films out there, but like, and homoerotic horror films, but like, it's pretty. It's a, and you know, this is the thing, and I guess the thing with like, you know, homoeroticism and horror films is that horror films are like a giant metaphor for what scares you. And a lot of times it's for like what, you know, sexually or romantically is considered taboo in different ways, especially in the 80s, where slasher films where it was like, you have sex, you do this, you do that, you smoke, you drink, you do drugs, you get punished. So, like, to have like, you know, these kind of somewhat subtext but also like very overtly obvious you know symbols and motifs it's like it's obvious what it's like you know this this is a kid who's freaking out because he he might be gay (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's why freddy krueger is is manifesting at him basically um because it's you know it's the fear of like vulnerability you know manifesting you know obviously in this case while you're sleeping and you're laying in a bed you're in dreams and that sort of thing but it's it's freddy krueger in general is just a massive um metaphor for you know vulnerability for predation in various ways um looking at the various incarnations of freddy so there's no other way to read this film and if somebody tries to tell you that they're 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 purposely trying to to subvert especially because the filmmakers have said like they did it on purpose like that was the point of the film yeah it was meant to be exactly what you thought it was yeah, for a long time the writers denied that, and then they eventually were like, "Yeah, no." Yeah, um, no it's very, it's a very gay movie because, and it's and it's 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 very gay and it's very camp, which was very big in the eighties, mm, and yeah. and a lot of a lot of LGBT people at that time and since then have gravitated to camp, and and being campy is is a very big thing in gay culture and stuff or whatever, and um, and yeah, I think you're totally right. Like they knew what they were doing. I remember, <clears throat> I don't know if I was a but the guy who read this who wrote the screenplay if it was the director but they were talking about like we knew that young girls would like seeing 
cute boys wrestle around in tiny shorts. But and we also know we also knew that 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 would disturb young boys because it's all these fears that like young men at the time had and still now about you know being sexually insecure and stuff or whatever and yeah and especially in the 80s being being a gay man in the 80s specifically in the later 80s and early 90s was you know kind of a, a mark of cain yeah um very much so and it can definitely it definitely it's it's homoerotic and, it, and it's interesting it's not great in the way that obviously everything is no, portrayed it is not a pride film it, it is not a gay pride film right i mean you have like this we have this coach right who is obviously gay i mean he's dressed in leather at a bar and stuff or at a gay bar and he's you know targeting his male student and um and it's there's lots of it's very problematic and stuff or whatever but it's also very interesting and and I don't, I mean, I don't think everybody involved was trying to, uh, was trying to be as negative as maybe some other more people who had more influence over the film were trying to be. Um, but yeah, you know, he's got that big shirtless poster of Rob Lowe in his bedroom or, (laughs) Oh no, I'm sorry. That's lost boys. Never mind. (laughs) A different movie. Yeah. But yeah. That's a good one to start with. Yeah, because it is like literally as gay as you can get in in horror films. Except for another one that is also, I assume, both on our list down the line that we watched recently. Rewatched recently. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, On the other end of the spectrum, I guess. I don't know. The thing is, is like... And, you know, we have the, we had this big debate, um, not we, like we as a society and the internet had this debate, I guess, two Oscars ago, last Oscars, whenever, um, I think it was the last Oscars, uh, when Carol came out and it basically was not oh, the Oscars. two Oscars ago. Was it two Oscars ago? I can't count. Yeah. I'm always drunk on those nights. <laughs> um, I don't remember. Um... I remember what happened with Moonlight. Um, and I remember watching right. Craig having to delete his Amazon <laughs> order. <laughs> I literally dove onto the floor, remember? Because I, like, yeah. I did it, and then I just, like, threw my phone on the floor. Yeah, because so Jamie was like, your Amazon order! And you were like, yeah. oh, right. Like, yeah, oh, um, Craig has a thing where he collects the best picture winners, and he puts them on a specific shelf in his <laughs> film collection. So when they announced that... Um, uh, La La Land. La La, I was like, what's that stupid fucking movie called? La La Land won. Uh, Craig was on his phone ordering it from Amazon so he could add it to his collection. And then subsequently, the truth came out, at which point Craig had to delete um, his uh, order and, and try again. <laughs> so, That's right. You know, that was fun. Um, it was very satisfying, though, because that meant that... Oh, no, it was great. We, Craig and I got... We were very excited that night. <laughs> very excited. Um, but this all being said, that, that, that season brought about um, a couple things in terms of um, discourse. Because, basically, Carol gets snubbed at the Oscars. Um, Carol, the book uh, it's based on, is called um, The Price of Salt, which, same. Um, basically, uh, is about these 
you know, it's, you know, the, the, the ultimate sort of like traditional lesbian novel, basically for a lot of people, it finally gets adapted as a film and then it kind of gets snubbed. So people were talking about the problems that happen with female sexuality in films and the way it's presented, um, which is why the next one I'm going to bring up is a little bit problematic. Um, but you know, it's probably the most most of these are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, no, this is the thing too, with, with homoerotic horror, no matter who you're presenting, a lot of times it's presented as a fetish. Um, in this case, that is very much true. Um, the sort of famous and film from, from 2009, Jennifer's Body. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Starring, uh, everyone's favorite Megan Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Um, as well as Amanda Seyfried, which they think we, we can pretend that Amanda Seyfried isn't Amanda Seyfried by putting glasses on her um, to pretend she's a nerd. Acting! Acting. She's in Twin Peaks. She is. As somebody who's dating a guy who is well below her her range of guys she could get. With his, yeah. his gross mustache. <coughs> I've got theories about her. Do you? We should talk about those later. Yeah. Cool. So yes, basically we all know this was kind of like a weirdly like big cultural thing when it came out, but I don't think a lot of people actually saw it as like- I saw it in theaters. But it's like, I don't think as many people actually saw it as like we were led to believe by like how popular it was to talk about. (laughs) You know what it was? And you you know what it was? I can't take credit for this joke, but Mm -hmm. um, it actually might be a Family Guy joke. Mm -hmm. It was exactly like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It wasn't popular. <laughs> Entertainment Weekly said it was popular, but it wasn't. Mm. Yes, that is a Family Guy joke. Um, yeah, no, that's the thing. It's just like, it's not popular, but people said it was popular, so everyone talks about it. And a lot of people talk about it even though they haven't seen it. Yeah. That being that's- said, if you haven't seen it, you basically know what it's about. Um, because it's not very deep or twisty. Um Basically, this is like the weird fetish fantasy, right? And this is kind of the, the situation is is that this is a film made by men for men, less than it is about. Um, this is straight men I'm talking about, by the way. Um, less than it is right. about like expressing female sexuality or um, various female orientations or identities you can have in terms of like the queer spectrum. That's not what this is. This is men, straight men, making um, films for other straight men. Um, yeah. For sure. You know, it was directed by a woman, which is nice, but it was written by a man. It was produced by three men. Um, You know, so it was edited by a man. So um, not exactly representation here, right? But basically the story is is that Amanda Seyfried, who, again, were led, is supposed to be some sort of nerd. And that's another fetish, too. Like, the secretly really hot girl under glasses and pigtails, right? Yeah, the the sexy librarian. Yeah, so Amanda Seyfried is our sexy librarian. Which is me. Which is Craig. Craig is also a sexy (laughs) librarian. I will one day be a sexy librarian. That's right. Pretty soon. Pretty soon. December 2017, be there, kids. Um, Anita Lesnicki, whose nickname throughout the movie is Needy. Um, is basically our sexy librarian living in Devil's Kettle, Minnesota is the name of their town. That's right. Um, but basically, it's one of those frame story things where you start at the end, she's in an asylum or whatever, and is like recount, like retelling the story. Basically, she has this friend, Jennifer, of the aforementioned body, um, uh-huh. who's this popular teenager, is Megan Fox. She's obviously 
super amounts of male gaze everywhere, you know, like just totally like the opposite of her, but she befriends her. And it's like, that's another fetish too, where you have like the really hot girl and the really like dorky girl. Like this is literally a long drawn out porno without any of the sex actually happening. Right. <laughs> and be, and then, and then, yeah, because, right, because it's fetishization and it's fantasy because like, I mean, to think that like, you know, be open-minded, anything stuff or whatever. But high school is a very cruel place, and there's mm-hmm. lots of rules. And as much as we try to change things, most of the times, high school students like Megan Fox's character are not friends with high school students. Megan like Fox Seyfried. would be friend with Meg- Amanda Seyfried, but not Amanda Seyfried's character as portrayed in the movie. <laughs> that would, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but. Basically, what happens is they go to a... Like, Jennifer um, convinces her friend to go to a party one night. Or a a concert, I guess, one night. And um, they ended up, like, getting separated. And when they they get back, they've... Like, there's a fire. Like, there's, like, this whole crazy shit happens. And they get separated. And when they get back together, like, things are kind of weird. Jennifer's acting weird. Um, And it turns out that she was used this, like, I guess it's like a punk emo band or something. I don't know. Or it's like an indie band. Who the hell knows? I don't know. But basically they decide they're going to use her, like, during this fire in the, during the concert as like a virgin sacrifice in the woods. But because she's not a virgin, surprise, um, it goes awry and it ends up killing her and she comes and like a demon succubus, like, inhabits her body. And she starts killing boys. Like, that's her thing. Is it like, she seductively goes about killing men. Which is, like, you know, the ultimate, like, lesbian revenge. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, there's this point where which she... Which is its own weird, like, problematic... Yeah, that's an entire yeah. separate conversation by itself, right? Um, but basically there's this point in the movie where she goes to see, um... Amanda Seyfried's character who's been setting up on the situation and figures out what's happening um and they they like have this like the lovely trope-tastic like lesbian makeout scene in the bedroom um which is just such a you see it in Riverdale even at one point even though they try to discredit it in Riverdale and that's one of the reasons I hate watching Riverdale because it's so like it's a lot of yeah no it's it's frustrating, like, queer baiting from all sides in that film. Or that um, yeah. TV series. But that basically... And Pretty Little the- Liars does that, too. Mm. You do um, like Pretty Little Liars? I... Or you watch it. It's almost, I watch it. It's almost done. It's finally almost done. <laughs> you can finally but, um, be free. A, people get a lot of mad with Emily and Allison and the way that their relationship has played out because yeah. um, it's it's a prime example of queer baiting oh, yeah. and, and it's... It's not cool. See, no. And it's it's even worse when, you know, you've got these filmmakers and these TV um, execs and these um, uh, showrunners, like, actively ignoring the response from the fandom who says, you know, this is what we're seeing. You can't discredit this. Um, and you know what you're doing, basically. Um, and yeah. that's, like, the entire... No, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and that's the entire motif of, like, these makeout scenes between two, like, best friends who are, like, just, you know doing what best friends do and it's like right 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 right, right. (laughs) which is like it's such bullshit because it's like okay 
and 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 do, do guy best friends do that too? Do, guy do best like friends? you know do yeah. the all jocks are they are they making out and stuff or whatever yeah. at keg parties because that's what best friends do? Yeah. No. Yeah, no. They basically have their gal pal scene where they like make out in uh in yeah. Meta Safe Reed's bedroom and then like you know what have you, and then later there's this like famous line from the film where Amanda Seyfried, where Jennifer's trying to kill Amanda Seyfried's character and Amanda Seyfried was like, hey, I thought you only killed boys. And, and Jennifer goes, I go both ways, which is like this tongue in cheek reference to bisexuality, which is in itself very problematic because there's so much bi erasure out there. Um, and this is just another sort of like tongue in cheek poke at like the bi identity. Um, and it's such like a stereotypical thing where it's like you've got this really hot girl who like kisses her female best friends, but like ultimately, you know, like kind of ends up with guys and like that's their idea of a bisexual character. And it kind of like makes it difficult for anyone to come out as bisexual because it's considered, you know, like, like sexual tourism or something. Right. It's like do your stuff with the girls as long as it like as long as we can use it as a jerk off fantasy, basically. Yeah. And like, do it so we can have the story of you. But like, in the end, you, you like, oh yeah, you have to end up a man, you know, yeah. like come back to me and stuff or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, Amanda Seyfrieda says that, you know, she didn't say that her character had like feelings for Jennifer or anything like that she referred to it as a lesbian infatuation, which is like, basically like, oh, I'm curious, but like, no, like, but no, really yeah. no. Um, and that's kind of what Jennifer's body is all about. And then at the end of it, she ends up in an asylum. <laughs> Very much so. Which is so, like, culturally, like, just kind of like a buzz thing with, with, the, with the queer community. Like, ending up in an asylum. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, mm, what do you go? What do you go? What are you trying to say? Yeah. So. Yeah. Not- it reminds me... Um, uh, if you've seen if you've seen the original nineteen uh, Cat People from nineteen forty two, there's this um, there's a very similar story um, yeah. with Simone Simon. Um, Ooh, and yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, has Damn has right. has has become um, well, she not only became a scream queen because of Cat People, but um. A, a a horror, specifically a lesbian icon and stuff um, in horror. Nice. Um, but 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 yeah, it's it's Jennifer's body wasn't the first to do a very problematic story. Oh like no, this. this goes back Which to like means, the eighteen hundreds. But so um, got examples. It is, but it is <laughs> but it is but it is like yeah, it's just a really yeah a big one that people talk about. It's going to be a big and, one. Yeah, and I like that you brought it up because people do talk about it so, so, so much. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why? Entertainment Weekly said it was popular. But it wasn't popular. But it wasn't popular. Yeah, yeah. it really wasn't. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, cool. Good choice. Good Thank choice. You. Thank what? you. Good one. Good Turn one. it to the table. Yeah, that's right. Um, I wanted to mention, I mentioned before when I talked about the Rob Lowe poster, um, <laughs> Lost Boys. <laughs> as the next one yep which is so gay um <laughs> i mean the title alone sounds like it could be in and of itself a gay porno oh i've seen many i've i mean i have it has come to my attention that there are many gay porno ripoffs <laughs> of lost boys i'm not saying i'm well versed i'm just aware that they're out there 
I mean, well, and then after Twilight, I mean, come on, gay vampire porn was huge. Oh, I have uh, I have some things down the line to say about gay vampires. Mm-hmm. Just you wait. Well, this I mean, if you want, this is probably where gay vampire. Well, no, this isn't where gay vampire. Oh, I can started. tell you where they originated from. I just you but, wait. Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> but this is where this Craig is knows where, the um, tangent I'm about to go on. This is what made them pop, Lost Boys. Yeah. Um, in, in our uh, in our current cultural pre nineties right. slash nineteen eighty sevens lost boys. I actually wrote in my um I took one of my film classes at Pitt was um horror films. Was this the and, horror one that I didn't get into because the professor never responded to my qu- uh, request? Yeah. And it was a great class. And for my big final paper know. at the end of the semester, I my my paper was basically about lost boys. It was um Fags with fangs, queer figures of 1980s horror. Love it. Can you send it to me? Can I read it? <laughs> I absolutely send it to you. And um, I should also give you, the next time you're here, um, I have this awesome uh, book of essays that you would probably really like, Monsters in the Closet. It's homosexuality it. in a horror film. I love yeah. it. There we go. But anywho. To you people who won't be getting this book. To you people. <laughs> Just sit back and listen. So Lost Boys, which I love, don't get me wrong, it's one of my favorite horror movies, but it's so gay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> Even if you read the synopsis, it's like the gayest oh, yeah. thing. It's basic. It's about this attractive guy, teenager, who is being targeted by vampires, and for some reason everyone is dressed like members of Wham. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um... Yeah, so we follow Michael, and Michael moves to San, uh, Santa Carla. Old young Jason Patrick. With his, that's right. And, um, and it's this flamboyant town, and, and um, he falls in with this crowd of, you know, like bad biker dudes and stuff or whatever, because he's attracted, air quotes, we'll do that here, by the, the um, sole um, female member of the gang, uh, <laughs> Star. Yes. Um, and strangely, um, none of the actual members of the gang show all that much interest in Star. Um, and so Michael then concludes that they're all in like serious relationships with other female vampires. Which is like, so Occam's Razor, right? The, the, um, not being employed here very well. No, not at all. Not even close. Not even close. So, um, so he's hanging out with them, and Michael Michael goes with Star back to what is basically like the den, the the vampire's lair, right? And the um, where David, who is the leader of the gang, tricks Michael into swallowing some of his bodily fluids. You know, <laughs> or maybe it's not a trick. And Michael's just really impressed at being invited to Jack Bauer's house before he, you know, goes and saves the world in twenty four. Oh no one knows. Wow. Yeah, side note, David is played by Peter Sutherland. Um, Son of. Yeah, that's right. Um, so then, so basically, like, shortly after this, Star is just sort of, like, phased out of the movie. She's, like, nowhere to be seen. And um, Michael is, like, trying to demonstrate his loyalty to um, Vampire 24 by mm-hmm. jumping off bridges and telling his family about his new lifestyle, like, because he comes home with um, a single ear piercing, which is supposed to, like, mean he's a vampire now. Okay, apparently. but the single ear piercing thing of the 90s, like, I'm sure it was before then, but this is when the I 80s. became aware of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And his younger brother is, like, 
starts commenting on his his older brother's new word like it's like you're you're like a young Elton John and everyone's like shocked by it and um there so there is a sex scene with Star but it's very very rushed and it was basically just to I think it was just to pull tension away from the obvious like sexual chemistry between Michael and Vampire 24 um but it's not enough because then there's um (laughs) there's the moment where michael um no when sam sam is the younger brother he opens the um his older brother's you know not at all metaphorical closet Mm -hmm. And there is this giant poster of Rob Lowe, <laughs> just like half shirtless and sweaty and sexy and stuff or whatever. And you're just like, wow, what a time the 80s were. Which, so like, if anyone's doubting, like, the total obvious of like people opening closets or coming out of closets, like, literally in in these things as being metaphors for these things. It's literally how Ellen came out in the nineties yeah. on her sitcom. On, she on, walked yeah. out of a closet on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like a thing. Um, it's, it's definitely a thing. Yeah. Laura Dern is in that and is in the uh, coming out episode. Yeah. <laughs> Not well before that hair as Diane. Right. As Diane. Yeah. And so, it's, I mean, Lost Boys and just the whole, so like the whole aesthetic, right? Like there's wax chests everywhere and like pastel shirts. Beautiful young male vampires. Beautiful young male people with moose hair. And, and, Which, and, and you, you brought know. up, you know, like even with Buffy, like there was hints that there were like even the male vampires like in the groups like had things. Like there's a point where the character Angelus kisses another male vampire like on the forehead and, like, they've said in interviews, like, in their minds, like, in terms of, like, the way they portrayed the past of the characters in the show, like, they've done stuff because vampires they've are kinky people. Vampires and it's are kinky. like, you can't have a massive group of male vampires and not have them, like, right. because get funky. Because, like, the mythos of what the vampire is and what is involved and the idea of, like, sucking blood and sucking and stuff or whatever. I have a whole tangent on this, kids. Like, Just yes, wait. like, that's, like, that's the thing or whatever. And I... I brought that up at some one point in my paper, right? Like, um, the, the, the younger brother is telling him or whatever, like, you're like a shit eating vampire and stuff or whatever. And there was this, there was a big thing in the eighties where gay men were like, there was a cultural conception that all gay men ate feces and stuff or whatever. And, and he's like, well, and he like gets in a fight with another, but he's not a blood sucker. And it's like, replace blood with cock and stuff. Yeah. or whatever and and um well and and just the idea that you know david's going to show him this whole new world right of of bringing him into vampire culture and this where they wear a lot of leather fluid movie blood and and it's the 80s right so you've got the aids crisis going on that's you know associated primarily with homosexual men and and these um these male vampires wear like a lot of leather and biker gear a ton of leather and biker gear and stuff or whatever and and leather is big with gay men and, and and um biker gangs were a huge um 80s lesbian culture sort of thing and stuff or whatever yeah. and it's like combining those and it's all one uh, gay big yeah vampire and, thing and just you know the idea of horror in general you know the, the the fear of the monster what is you know the 
the monster queer. That's definitely a huge thing in Lost Boys and stuff or whatever. And I could go on and on and on and on because I wrote a 10-page paper about <laughs> Lost Boys being super gay. Um, but I know we have other movies we want to get well, to. So before I go on my massive vampire tangent, there's yeah. two I want to get to. One, another one that we, I think, both kind of had in our minds when we did this was The Covenant. Yes. Um, which has less obvious things in terms of a lot of the other films other than, like, holy crap, the entire movie is just um, wax-chested, yeah. sweaty. They're all, again, waking up sweaty and shirtless in your room is a big motif in these things. Basically, The Covenant is this awful, god-awful, terrible movie. Yeah. Well, we did a booze and booze about it. We did a booze and booze about it. Or we did a recap of it. We did something with it. I think we did. I don't care. We were drunk no matter what. Oh, no, we did a recap. It wasn't a booze and booze. Was I was it? drunk and I watched it. So it was Halloween night. I watched it on Halloween night. That's why I spent my Halloween. <laughs> this is Splatter Shadow where we don't remember our own content. <laughs> um, but basically, you know, if you didn't listen to that episode and I wouldn't blame you, um, the, the premise of the covenant is that it is these group of boys, which, first of all, I have a total issue with them basically taking, like, you know, these guys who are supposed to be the descendants of witches. It's like, okay, you're taking the, the ultimate thing that, that men did to exert their, their hatred over women, which was burning witches, and you gave it That's to right. a bunch of white, straight, supposedly straight, they've all got girlfriends, straight boys, and, right. and said, oh, this is their blight. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, knock that shit off. Like, don't do that. Like, like why couldn't yes, we all, have all just watch The Craft again? <laughs> the Craft, though. Um, which was on that BuzzFeed list of um, Takeaway 1. That was that was uh, one of the ones on That's that. right, it was. What was um, it paired against? I couldn't, I can't remember. Oh, it was paired against another witch film, but I forget. The Blair Witch? No, it was paired against... No, Blair Witch was, for some reason, was paired against Stir of Echoes. Which, 19% of the quiz takers got rid of Blair Witch, and I was like, they're wrong. Um, but anyway, basically... so I do all, like Stir of Echoes, but... But not Blair Witch. Just like Blair Witch. Yeah. Um, yes, men were accused of witchcraft, but... Absolutely. And not in the ratios... And a dog was accused of witchcraft. <laughs> but, but not in the ratios. Not in the ratios like, that women... It, that those, like, it has a different... Like, literally, a sign of being a witch was a woman who was intelligent. Literally, yeah. an intelligent woman could be accused of being a witch. Because the only way she could be so intelligent is if she, it was witchcraft. Like, this is total, like, female hatred at its finest. They were burning women for being people. So don't take that that legacy and apply it to a bunch of white boys, rich white boys in your story, right? Don't do that. So four white, four four of these guys, right? The the sons of Ipswich, as they are called, are these four guys who are like pretty well known rich guys in the town who are all descended from like four of the five founding families from like colonial times in this town of Ipswich, like Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Um. And we learn immediately in the film they've got, like, powers. They're sorcerers or whatever. Or witches right. or warlocks. They're, like, undercover yeah. witches. They're not supposed to use these powers. No one knows. It's, like, this ancient thing passed down from the time of the Salem witch trials. And they are the descendants of the families who managed to survive the witch trials. Um, and they meet this guy, Sebastian Stan. Now, if you're casting Sebastian Stan in a film... There is a 75% chance the character he's playing is going to be a gay man. 
based on his his repertoire he's played a lot of he got a, a huge reputation especially early in his career as playing gay characters like is out, he gay, gay this, see this was the thing i as far as i know he's not but i don't know his life he mm. could be but that was the thing people asked him a lot they were like are you know you play a ton of gay characters are you yourself gay and as far as you said i don't know if he's not commented on it or said no or what have you i know that he was dating jennifer morrison for a while but i take things like that with a grain of salt so who knows yeah. Um, but he plays a lot of gay characters. Um, so like, you know, him in this is like a thing, right? So yeah. these men are all swimmers. Right. There's many scenes of them in Speedos. Lots of Speedo scenes. There's lots many, of locker room scenes. There's lots of locker room scenes of them I mean, sweaty. They're there's, naked. There's, there's, a, there's, there's nudity. There's nudity. There's a scene where Sebastian Stan in the locker room has his, his shirt is open. He's got his button up and his tie like hanging around his neck. He's not quite dressed and his shirt is open and his chest is just covered in sweat because he just got out of the shower and his hair is all wet and he's like half dressed and he's talking to his buddies who are like in towels and stuff, right? Like it's just very homoerotic. Absolutely. Um, And there's scenes where the main character whose name, I don't remember any of their names. They're all like Chad to me. I don't know. I know. I can't do it either. Colleen knows. Yeah, Colleen knows. That's this and this and this. And I'm like, what the fuck? Um, I, I have a theory that she secretly likes the movie. Um, oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Hi, Colleen. Hi, Colleen. Um, but the main character, like, wakes up constantly, and he's sweaty, and his, like, wax chest is covered That's in sweat, right. and he's shirtless. And yes, it happens to now. a couple of the other guys. Because, like, we've done that thing, like, how in the 80s everybody had wax chests, and then, yeah. like... In the, like, late 2000s, we, like, circled back. Or even the early 2000s, really, kind of, con- it's fading out now but like everybody had wax chests again yeah yeah it's a thing (laughs) so like there's all this like imagery and there's this scene where sebastian stan like takes the whole forehead kiss a step further and like literally kisses like the core like almost kisses on the mouth the main character he kisses him on the cheek but it's pretty close well doesn't he kiss him on the mouth later he might i don't know that's when i took um, a shower when you guys he's like yeah he's like got like incapacitated and he's like oh meet me here or whatever and And he he does kisses him him basically on the mouth and leaves his dorm room where he's left him but like above all the you know the imagery and the the motifs of that it's like the the entire like general like idea of it right it's like this group of men who secretly meet about their witch identity and they're being told not to use it because, you know, it can be dangerous to use it overtly and they have to keep it right. a secret and all this other Repress stuff. It. Um, and it's just a total massive gay metaphor. But then when you're an adult, it's <laughs> especially be unleashed since and it's going to be crazy. Like, yeah, they turn 18 and they turn crazy powerful. It unleashes. They're also all in And like, it's clearly like this idea that, like, okay, once you're an adult, you can move away, you can yeah. live the life that you want to live and stuff or whatever. And, it's and they're like, all in a prep school. So there's that, like, cultural that ideology or whatever. of boys in prep you school. Mentioned, you mentioned the swimming, right? The, yeah, yeah, the swimming competitions and tiny, tiny shorts and yeah. the naked brawl in the locker room you know yeah. one one bro calls another bro gay so they start throwing punches and, and like there's that everybody like, cute little like face slapping combat. that they do where they like you know like yeah like cutely like slap each other in the face to be like oh hey bro you know like or like making fun of somebody or teasing somebody by like tapping them on the cheek and stuff <laughs> while they're shirtless and it's like all right yeah like we all know what this looks like um you know, and then at the end, the two guys have a massive, like, fight in a rainstorm with their powers 
Yeah. Because um, the one wants the other one. They're literally power. throwing white globs at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what that fight scene yeah. is. Yeah. So, wh- whatever. Oh, like, while, not, while a girl not, is like hovering off in the distance. Like, there's a. Literally, female. she's to the side. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, but that, like, the best line, like, when he's like, how about I make you my weach? Yeah. I'm like, really? Are we going to? He basically should have been like, yes, queen. Like, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> We're going to fight it out. Happy birthday. We're going to fight it out. Let's do it. It's literally like a gothic version of RuPaul's Drag Race by the end. I can say it. You can't. Listen. <laughs> Mr. Gay, too. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. Um, so the Covenant's super gay. Yeah, it's super gay. Um. Yeah, it's kind of one of those ones where like it's 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 not subtle at all, but like you you can't figure out like were you trying to do something in terms of LGBT? No, the minute because I think it's meant to appeal to young women. Yeah, no, it's one hundred percent another fetish thing, right? Like the idea of two guys, like two hot guys, like being on top of each other in different fashions, like that's totally a teenage girl fantasy, and that's what they're trying to appeal to. Um, but the entire film does very much feel like a metaphor for like a underground LGBT group of specifically gay men, like at a boarding school, right? Like that's how yeah. it plays. So it's interesting. Like it's, I'm, I, I'm interested to, you know, cause it's like, you can see it both ways. You can see it as a metaphor for being forced to stay in the closet because of like family name and like, you know, societal pressures and that sort of thing. Or you can see it just totally as like a teen girl fetish fantasy. Absolutely. So, jury is kind of out on on that one <laughs> in terms of <laughs> whether it's positive or negative. Um, did you it's... have? Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna ask what your what your deal on it was. Well, my thoughts about it are, um, you know, I I don't think it actually does anything. It just is yeah. with. Like if it, if it was trying, like it's it's hard to think that it that they couldn't have been conscious of all the homoerotic. Yeah. Um, but again, I subtext think, going on. But they, they nothing. They don't do anything with it. No, you and know? I think if they're conscious of it, it's in the terms of this appeals to teenage girls, teenage straight girls, right? right? So I, yeah, because I think that's what it was for. He ends up with, you know, the teenage straight girl at yeah. the end, stuff or whatever. No one involved is actually the police never weird. question them they drive off craig they're just gone really, craig gets mad about that part because he's like shouldn't he, the police be questioning them? he just fixes the mirror in front of like 30 cops this windshield <laughs> or whatever and drives away yeah and i'm like okay okay cool. yeah they totally that's, set it that up is for like a the sequel. least of like that never happened for that that terrible movie. Um, I'm interested to see what the fan fiction of that has to say, but I'm also don't want to go to that part of the dark net. So I'm going to stay away <laughs> from that. We're just going to, we're going to avoid that. There's, I'm sure there is some very specific fan fiction. Oh over yeah. There. I don't remember enough about the plot details to care. <laughs> I'm sure there's something with the swimming and the speedos. Oh Yeah. You know, and the bar that they go to, the rowdy bar, the boys have their toys. The boys have their toys. Craig's favorite line. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that movie. I've hate watched it far too many times at this point, mm. and it's really our friend Colleen's fault. Yeah, no, she's the one who constantly brings it. 
That's right. She's like, well, I brought the covenant. I'm like, Why? Uh, for what occasion? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, do you have one? Um, what is in my notes here? Well, I feel like I was going to talk a little bit about the Forsaken, but we've talked about vampires enough already. Well, I'm going to, if you want to save that, I have a whole tangent on vampires I want to go into. Then I will save that and then I will just um, maybe quickly talk about Jeepers Creepers 2. (laughs) (laughs) Even the first one a little bit, but yeah, that one. Yeah, maybe the first one a little bit, but definitely Jeepers Creepers 2. Um, which, you know, concerns the creeper. The creeper. You know, is like a, a man-eating monster. So, like, you would think occasionally he's going to eat a half-naked teenage boy. <laughs> yeah. But in this movie, that's all he eats. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the other monsters might start asking questions. At the, <laughs> at the you know, the, the conventions and stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, even, okay, so even the first time we meet the creeper in the, in the original movie... He's preying on a young boy. Who's got a lovely little stomach tattoo. Yeah. And then now we're in, in the second one, and his targets are a bus of mostly shirtless high school uh, football or basketball players. I can't remember. The point is, is they're muscled shirtless The point men. is the muscled high school jocks and stuff or whatever. Um, they're, they, they sing this whole song about, like, the fighting cocks and stuff or whatever. <laughs> like. The three female cheerleaders are just sitting at the front of the bus, just kind of like bemused and bewildered. <laughs> um, then the bus breaks down, right? There's a flat tire mm. because of like the um, human body part ninja star thing. The shuriken the fuck is that? what they call it in anime. Ah. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> So then the boys, you know, while the driver is like, well, we got to fix this. We're in the middle of the nowhere. So then the boys get off the bus and what, I mean, they do what anyone would do. They take their shirts off and start tanning on the top of, on the roof of the bus. I do that all the time. Don't you constantly do that? I do that. I go on buses and I tan. And then if they're not doing that, there's, they're participating in really long sequences where they all piss together. Like out of that the is field. my favorite like homoerotic trope is when guys yeah. get together to piss and then accuse each other of being gay while they're pissing next to each other. <laughs> um, it's that and the, ha- and, and the group wank is the other great one. The group wank, the circle jerk. Yeah, which I have never ever met anybody who has ever participated in that in real life. <laughs> never heard about it. Never got invited to one. Pretty sure it's not something that anyone actually does, but who the hell knows? Nobody wants to do um, that. I'm not, and I'm not judging, like, yeah. more power to you. I'm just, I'm, if you are a listener and you've participated in a circle jerk, please mess with us. Let me Let me know that it's real, because I have questions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, um, yeah, oh, then, you know, the monster shows up and, and starts hunting them and stuff or whatever. Um, the, you know, and then there's, like... A couple people get killed, like the adults get killed off, and there's still a lot of accusing each other of being gay for some reason in the middle of all the murder. Um, and then there's the part where the monster, the creeper shows up, and he licks the glass while he's looking at the some of the boys that he's like, I do that picked often. up on his scent, and he winks at them. And then it's just like it's like the most terrifying like orgasm face. Craig, is that seen. not how you you got your boyfriend? Was well, you, uh, I yes, yes. <laughs> professional. 
I just like, I went up to, I climbed to up to Eric's balcony and just pressed my face against the glass and just started licking it and winking at him until it worked. Excellent. And eventually he was like, okay, let's do this thing. <laughs> um, it works. Yeah. Just There's like a lot the of like shirt ripping off of the young men and like the corpses are always like half naked and like very provocatively like thrown on the ground and stuff or whatever. And, um, you know, one female character, she, she, she's a main character. She's having these like strange visions and stuff or whatever, but she's not actually in danger because all of the victims are the boys. Um, to, to, to the people, there's like people talk about swinging dicks and stuff or whatever. Same. So it's very much just this whole like creepy old monster preying on young boys, um, into a, taking this place into a whole different, um, territory um it is definitely what was intended i feel like i can say that pretty confidently for this movie because victor salva the director um sort of uh follows in the footsteps of um past a um questionable sexually inclined directors like woody allen and roman Mm. polanski and that victor salva was um accused and eventually convicted of having sex with an underage boy in the late eighties. Um, and even on the set of this movie, he was not allowed to be alone with any of the child actors while filming. Yikes. I mean, you know, yeah. So it's, um, and, and it makes it a little uncomfortable to have that knowledge and watch the movies now. Yeah. But, yeah. um, yeah, Real there sort was of creeper on set. I suppose he he made this whole other movie, I think Clown House, I believe, um, about a, a a young boy, like a twelve year old boy, who spends most of the movie in his underwear, being terrorized by by clowns. And there's a lot of stuff out there that um, he may have abused that boy on set, and it's kind of very un, very uncomfortable to read about, but, um, well, it's not unlike too, like watching the exorcist and knowing that anesthesiologist was killing gay men while filming the exorcist. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable sometimes. Um, yeah. And there's, and there's not much to say. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty surface level on Jeepers Creepers too. Yeah. Well, and this is part of the thing with horror too. It's like, yes, it's evident, but it's evident in kind of disturbing ways and kind of the disturbing leap truthful ways that these things sometimes manifest um yeah don't worry craig and i are gonna bring you the the gay horror extravaganza story one day that's right (laughs) where all the gays live and yeah and everything's great except for the horror right all we're we're gonna kill all the straight people (laughs) (laughs) it's your turn um Um, so yes oh sorry well, no, I was just going to say, if you were done, I had one more before we yes, get into our vampire that, tangent. I mean, aside from, you know, and, and like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if, if you want to find them, there's tons of B-movie um, lesbian Ooh. vampire <laughs> films and, and, and oh, gay, yes, there is. Um, gay horror films. There's the 1313 series, which is always just a bunch of True Blood is a massive gay movie. men yeah. in their underwear facing various monsters and stuff or whatever um there's ginger snaps <laughs> has um definitely also has a Canadian lesbian. Horror film. yeah some lesbian undertones there um, um but yeah and i had the forsaken which 
is also a vampire we, film. So save I that one for turn like these over to you. five seconds from now. I'm just going to point out The Haunting. Um, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on oh, the... I didn't even think of The Haunting. Well, That's it's good. kind of very subtle in the sense it's not so subtle in the book, but it's kind of not played that way. Like, it's kind of a side note in the movie. Uh, the Haunting, based on Shirley Jackson's um, novella, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, where basically this woman... <laughs> who's like this very lonely, reclusive bachelorette woman who's like living with her sister who is married. So she's kind of like, the idea is like, she's like the lesbian, unmarried, middle-aged sister, spinster, um, goes to join this um, uh, paranormal group that she got, like saw an ad for that are investigating the Hill House. And this woman with her, Theodora, who's like nicknamed Theo throughout the the book and the movie um, is the only other female in um, the house. And she's very charismatic. She's described as very gorgeous, very like worldly. And she's like constantly just kind of like on top of our main character, like physically and emotionally, they have adjoining rooms. Um, Like, you know, they're constantly with each other at one point when something scary happens uh, she runs into Theo's room and they kind of are cuddled together the entire, like they fall asleep, like cuddled together and holding yeah. each other the entire night. So everyone's kind of read Theo, who's like no mention of a husband or anything like that ever in the story as possibly being like a lesbian character. Um, obviously, we can't ask Shirley Jackson um, what the case is on that. But basically, people have read Theo as being, you know, because she's given kind of a masculine name. Um, she's right. charismatic, kind of like seductress type character. Um, so that's the thing. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be, they're adapting it to a Netflix show. They are. I'm, I'm optimistic about that. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. So do good stuff. So the big thing here, again, we've, we got a trend of long episodes, but it's fine. Um, fine. the big thing, obviously, if you're talking about homoerotic horror is going, oh, wait, 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 real what? quick. Before are you, this is your no. vampire rant? Yes. Yes. Okay. I thought of. I'm not going to really talk about it, but I, I, it has to be mentioned, and I don't know why I didn't write Go it down it. earlier. The talented Mr. Ripley, <laughs> which is is a beautiful movie, mm-hmm. um, a really interesting kind of horror movie. Very, very psychological, very subtle sort of horror in that sort of Silence of the Lambs seven kind mm. of vein. But. Um, Super gay. And this, and I think I didn't think of this before because it's, there's more of an overtly gay storyline with, you know, Matt Damon's Matt character. Damon, yeah. Very, very drawn to Jude Law's characters and the naked bath and, and the mm-hmm. changing and beach scenes. And he's clearly has romantic affections for Jude Law's character. And, mm-hmm. and that drives the bulk of the story. But I just yeah. wanted to mention that because it I exists. exists. It's, yeah, it's just not subtext but it is very homoerotic because that is part of the story nice i like the it. end i'm in favor <laughs> um but yes yeah, so if you're talking about homoerotic horror there's one trope that you cannot escape that is like the grandparent of all homoerotic anything which is vampires damn right um as we mentioned quickly you know with lost boys um gay and lesbian vampires are like the natural state of vampires <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, basically quick recap on the vampire, right? And I learned this in, um, I never took the vampire class at Pitt, but I learned this in a folklore class, um, that touched on vampires a little bit. Basically the idea of the vampire, 
I never took the vampire class either, but it I was wanted. very hard to get into. It never worked out, I think. Well, it was hard to get into too because even if it did work out, like everyone was trying to take it. Yeah. Um, there's famously a vampire class at Pitt, and it's famous because people bitch that you're paying three hundred dollars a credit to take a class on vampires, but it's worth it. Um, yeah. Anyway, so folklore class. Basically, the idea of a vampire is kind of evolved, right? So it starts in like the Middle Ages, what have you. Um, 17th century, even 16th century as this like grotesque thing that lives in the forest, right? Just like like this fearful monster. It's like they're described as being like ruddy in appearance. They smell because they're like corpses come back to life. They're bloated because they're drinking blood, all this gross stuff. Like it's not the sexy shit that we know now, right? They're gross. Like they don't sparkle. They don't sparkle. They're gross creatures that like skulk around the wilderness that are like literally raised dead bodies. Because at the time, that was the fear, right? Fear of the woods. I've talked about a lot on this podcast. Like, human fear of the woods, that was the predominant thing. Um, and fear of vampirism itself is is a thing in um, Judeo-Christian religious texts. It specifically says, um, you know, anyone who, who drinks the life force of another animal, so who drinks blood, um, will be cast out, right? So it's like, you know, a very religious fear of the vampire, Fast forward to the 19th century, um, 1800s. Well, because it's the idea of something coming back from, of being yes. undead, right? Being undead. Which is very offensive to Judeo-Christian, you know, yeah. specific Christian mythos yeah. and stuff or whatever. So we fast forward to the 19th century, 1800s. Um, taboos have changed. Um, and the first big literary vampire um, was the... Um, Crap, what was his name? Um, Sheridan Le Fanu, but he had a... J. Sheridan Le Fanu? I forget. I should know. It's something like that. You can Google that. But he wrote the novella, which became the basis for Dracula a couple decades later, but the novella Carmilla, which was about the lesbian vampire. The beginning. Craig's laughing because he knew I was going to bring this up. The lesbian (laughs) vampire trope, right? So you can Google it. It's online. It's the gayest shit you'll ever read. Um, it's pretty gay. It's pretty gay. I've never actually read the whole thing, but it's pretty gay. It's pretty fucking gay. Basically, this teenage girl gets, um, it attracts the attention of this, like, female vampire who's, like, all over her. Um, and naturally, don't worry, the men come in and cut off the head of the lesbian vampire and she is no more. And our young maiden is free to not be... Save the day by her wild, but this queerness in a vampire um, comes back about 20 years later in Dracula. And Dracula is huge in queer studies, people probably don't realize. Um, it comes up a ton um, in queer studies because vampires are like the idea. Again, as we mentioned with Lost Boys and Buffy, it's like the natural state of the vampire is just to be like you know, just totally pansexual, right? It's like they'll have yeah. sex with, with anyone. They will attract anyone. They can be attracted to anyone. Um, so, you know, good good for vampires being inclusive and stuff. Um, yeah. But um, Jonathan Harker, when he's... Progressive. At, They're a progressive monster. They're progressive. Um, Jonathan Harker, when he's at... Um, Dracula's castle. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. When he's at Dracula's castle, he's beset by this coven of female vampires. He's attracted there by Dracula's own kind of like charisma and the way he draws him in. Um, 
you know, so you've got just these like very like, it's like, and that's the thing, right? So that was the, the taboo at the time was sexuality, especially like queer sexuality, because like, believe mm -hmm. it or not, like these things did not appear in the eighties when suddenly everybody decided to start paying attention to them. Like, yeah. yeah, queerness goes back to like ancient times when they didn't give a shit and it was considered part of society. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the same debates people are having now about, you know, the validity of, of queer identity and queer feelings were happening in the 19th century and took the form of vampires. Like, virtually every vampire who was written in that time, you know, Carmilla, Dracula, were all queer in some way um, or have since been defined um, in literary criticism as being that way. Um, yeah. You fast forward some more, um, you get to... <laughs> The vampire Lestat, who I don't like talking about a lot because Tom Cruise. I, yeah, I had written Interview with a Vampire earlier, but decided to move on. Yeah, basically he, it's, yeah. Just like every vampire movie, basically. Every vampire movie is um, It's gay, yeah. You get to Buffy, which has its own issues with the way it portrays vampiric sexuality or sexuality through the metaphor of the vampire, but like the character played by... Uh, um, David Boreanaz, the Aurora Boreanaz, um, and um, James Marsters, <laughs> James Marsters' character, like, is written that their relationship is very, like, sexually charged, and at one point, one kisses the other, and it's, like, a thing, right? And that's, like, because that's, like, expected of vampires, and you get to true blood where people are making out, and it's, like... Mm -hmm. Just the entire, if you're going They're doing to, a bit more than making out on True Blood. There's, you know, there's stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's, like, the entire, like, history of, of vampire, vampires, <laughs> vampires, um, va I wouldn't just say vampiric, but stopped, um, of vampires in literature, in film, in anything, is, like, sexual taboo in every form possible. So if you want some kind of inclusive horror trope or horror character that deals with anything to do with um homoeroticism it's the vampire it's the vampire it's where you're gonna find your best bet did you want yeah. to say anything about the the forsaken with that well i'm just thinking about like how so many of the movies we mentioned involve a monster right mm -hmm. and just this idea of like the monster queer this this sort of like thing to be feared this sort of beastly thing like um something that can take over something that involves like bad blood or something like that or yeah. um thinking of a couple of like werewolf movies where like something like literally it comes out like mm, from inside yeah. you transform into something else or whatever it's really really interesting that so many um, homoerotic horror movies involve the transformation into a monster or the threat of a monster. Because um, most of these homoerotic movies are homophobic. As well. Oh, yeah. No, and that's the thing, even with Carmilla's, like, it's considered, like, this massive, like, homophobic piece of work that was then reclaimed by, like, the queer community that said, no, like, we're going to turn it into what we want. And it's had a couple adaptations. It had a recently very popular adaptation in the form of a web series. Um, you know, so it's like, and that's the thing too. It's like, you can look at these things and say, okay, these are problematic, but you can also take them back. Um, yeah. And say, okay, if you're going to do this, you're going to do this my way. Or, you know, you can rewrite sort of um, 
the way the story is interpreted. Um, which, you know, isn't always, you know, easy or great, but, you know, that is a thing, right? And there's certain horror tropes that you can use to do that. It's like, okay, it's like in horror, it's like you've got the queer monster, like there's this gay panic and that sort of thing. Or, you know, you can take that and make it, you know, part of a larger story. You know, that's not the monster. It's, you know, the taboo of society saying that that should be the monster, right? So. Right. It's interesting. It's fascinating to, to look. There's a whole world out there of study into these kinds of movies. It's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. 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 Um, I am... It's funny because it's, you know, there's a ton out there. I am personally fresh out of gay horror. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can think of, uh, like, other ones that are, like, truly gay horror, like Hellbent or mm. um, Gay Bed and Breakfast of Terror. I'm not saying these are super quality horror movies, but they <laughs> exist. But, the, but again, they're more, like, they're straight-up gay horror movies. So if you want to write a gay horror movie, write a gay horror movie about, like, brunch. Yeah, exactly. What things that go wrong at brunch? Things that go wrong, which is a lot. Or a reservation didn't go through. Oh, it turns out they don't do bottomless mimosas anymore. It's right. They're out of mimosas. They're out of mimosas. Out of orange juice. Which actually happened at a restaurant I worked at on Father's Day. We ran out of prosecco. Ugh, rough day. So I didn't get a tip that day. Oh, it is Father's. (laughs) Oh yes, today is Father's Day. I have to call my dad. Uh, I don't have to call my dad. <laughs> um, I talked to him the other day, but and stuff and stuff as we and stuff as we've learned that uh, John likes to say. But That's um, right. I, I I hope I haven't said it that much this episode. We'll see when I listen. I back. don't think you did, but I also am attuned to the way you speak. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. The hell knows? Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But yeah, kids. So. Yeah, get your pride on. Check out some. Maybe a little better than some of the people in these movies fared. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to sit around with your friends, have some drinks, you know, before your night out. The sweaty-chested men who are pretending not to be that. sweaty-chested men or, like, you know, heavy-breathing female friends being gal pals. There's all kinds of different stuff you can check out. Um, What we recommended... um, couple other things we didn't get to talk about. Um, I, it would, it would re- it's really interesting to look at, like, um, homoerotic or homo, like, subtext horror movies, like, during the time of the Hayes Code. Ooh. Like, when I was, like, like, like Cat People in the 40s and some of the other ones from the mm-hmm. 50s. Like, it's interesting to see how they got away with it then. Um, no, and that's the thing. is, is like, I feel like there's such an idea that, like, the idea of an out gay person or, like... Eh, homosexuality in the social consciousness is a new concept and it's not right well the 80s yeah well the That's... 80s but my point is even before that like this was still yeah. a thing people were discussing oh, yeah. and we're discussing in the same way they are now back in the 1800s right it's like just how did they do it like yeah. what did what was culturally acceptable to talk how could you talk about well, you it know, like, you I could think just of... be like sappho and literally invent the lesbian <laughs> yeah it's fine do that you know like I, th- I think of rope a lot which is not yeah. a horror movie but it's a hitchcock yeah. And, yeah. and the way that Hitchcock codes the movie that, um, you know, the, the, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of Granger like... character and, um, 
the other character are are lovers and stuff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's the thing. It is like before, you know, and I guess that's it because it's like before now it was all coding, right? And you had to know to read it that way. Now like you know, that still happens, but you also have overtly gay characters, so. Right. And that's the thing you have to remember, like, when these movies were coming out, like, like Lost Boys and, and Freddy's Revenge and stuff or whatever in the 80s, like, most most people, not, not everybody, because, you know, sheltered America in the 80s, but most people, if you were worldly enough, you knew what was being said. Mm-hmm. And, like, you knew how to read these films they knew what was going on even if the films themselves couldn't outright say it yeah yeah so. yeah so interesting stuff interesting stuff yeah so um we're about you know what is it june 18th we're halfway through pride month there's plenty of pride parades around the country and the world left to go still going on i mine is done dc pride was um not this past weekend but the weekend before it was good nice. stuff nice good stuff and um a missing yeah. toronto pride there's pride on a boat and a missing <laughs> pride on a boat which is the best kind of pride. I, boat don't, pride I don't love boats but i would get smashed on a boat be a you know be a you know happy gay sailor that could um, be me it's not and, but it could have been Boats, the Navy, it's, it's, it's been gay for forever. Yeah, it's like a pirate ship, too. It's like an oldie time boat. Ha! Huh? Pirates. Right. What kind of pirates? <laughs> well, you know, this specific uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Drugs, you know, man. Out on I the lake. Them. We're out on the lake sailing. On the lake sailing. Um, cool, cool, cool. Anything else? Anything no, else? I got it all. We're wrapping up at 90 minutes here. Oh, 90 minutes time. So long, so long. Okay, so long. okay. <laughs> Just in well, time for Twin Peaks soon. That's right. Yeah. We'll be back at you soon. Um, ba, 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 ba. I'm just, I'm gonna I'm gonna make Mal do this Jaws episode with me. Okay. <laughs> and um, some other things. We've said some other things. I just can't remember what yeah. they are. Well, soon. we continually talk about doing a video game podcast with Colleen. That's right. So we'll, we'll make that happen too. That. We were supposed to do that the weekend in Toronto, but. Bedbugs. That's right. When you're emotionally ready, we'll do bug horror. Oh my god, I am gonna. (laughs) You know, it's funny because it's like people. Everyone I talk to is like, "Oh yeah, like I had bedbugs once. It sucks." And I was like, "Yeah, like I." When does the PTSD go? You should be like, "But did it force you out of a country?" I know. I was like, "Did it force you? Did it deport you from a country?" Which I just got a text today from a friend at work who I realized that, like, I forgot to, like, I'd been talking to him, like, off and on for two weeks and realized I forgot to tell him that I had left the country. <laughs> um, so, He's like, hey, do you want to go get a sandwich? You can call. Well, he messaged me. He's like, wait, did you leave, like, the name, like, he was, like, asked our company, like, thing. He was like, wait, did you, like, name, like, leave the, like, restaurant or did you, like, leave the country? And I was like, um. You're like, no, I left, left. Oh, I have a, I have a thing to tell you. <laughs> so yeah, don't come to me with your bed bugs unless it like ruined your life, right? Yeah, unless they like laid eggs in your skin or something. Yeah, <laughs> which scabies do. So you know, watch Ugh. out for those. Ugh. I feel yeah. like alien can qualify as bug horror. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. So one day we'll get to bug horror as Mel's revenge. That's right. Mel's catharsis. Yeah, back at them. Um, all right guys thank you for listening to episode 28 yay Um, 
And until uh, you hear from us again, be sure to keep up the creep. Oh, wait. Social media. Oh, wait. What? Shut what? up, Craig. Social media. What? Oh, social media. Oh, oh, yes. This is very special because yeah. there's an addition. There's an addition to social media. So as you know, Splatter Chatter 666 minus the vowels on Twitter or just search Splatter Chatter if that's too much work for you. Um, splatterchatter.tumblr.com on Tumblr, splatterchatter666.blogspot.com for Craig's blog, splatterchatter669 at gmail.com for email inquiries. And then we have a new, a brand spanking new Instagram, um, which is splatterchatter666 with the vowels because we just like not <gasps> having uniform content across social media. You have to really want it. You have to really um, want it. So this is a little bit of a scavenger hunt for you. But Splatter Shadow 666 on Instagram. We've got a few posts up already. We've amassed some followers, which is great. There's a lot of horror Instagram accounts out there. So, um, yeah, we'll make posts on there. Some nice pictorial content. Um, yes, and now you can do your thing. <laughs> okay. Now that's everything, right? Yes. Yay. Okay. So, yes, thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Hopefully we'll see you on social media. Keep up the creep. And until then, we will say adios, au revoir, and das Vidanya. Oh, yeah.